0: um okay happy new year and welcome back to talking Knicks. we went on a little bit of a holiday hiatus we took a week off for christmas yesterday was the first day of the year today's the second day of the year and i'm here with my good friend tom we're ready to talk about the Knicks for the last two weeks some good a lot of bad even the good looked bad but four and three over these last two weeks, assuming they're about to lose to the Raptors. They're down by twenty one with less than five minutes left. So we're just gonna we're gonna write it off. But hey Tom, let's talk Knicks. Tom, before we get into the Knicks talk, before we get get into the Downer talk, if you will, how's your how's your Christmas? How's your new year?
1: Hey, Greg, I'm doing well, man. I uh, had a nice, nice holiday season. Got to see a good amount of family. I think, you know, we, it, was, it was one of those weird years where, you know, COVID shooting up, all that stuff. You know, you want to talk about the fun stuff. Um, no, we, we actually managed to, to see my parents, my in-laws, some, uh, some of my siblings as well. And it was, it was just a good time, good time all around. So, um, thankfully, everyone's still feeling well and everyone's healthy over here. But, yeah, I mean, New Year's, not like I'm a big New Year's guy. I wouldn't say I, like, live for New Year's Eve, but I uh, i did nothing this year. You know, I, I watched that Knicks game against OKC, and I fell asleep at 11.55 p.m., like, right hmm. before the ball dropped. Couldn't even make it to that. So, you know, I'm, I'm fairly washed on the New Year's Eve front. But, uh, no, it overall, happens. you know, Back to work tomorrow, like you mentioned. We're recording this during the fourth quarter of a Knicks game, which is either a really good sign or a really bad sign. And in this case, it is a it is a bad sign. The game is in hand, and New York is losing. But uh, before we even get into that, how about you? How was your your holiday season? You went to a wedding, I think. Is that right? I had a good holiday
0: season. I went. I was at a wedding for New Year's uh, up in Canandaigua, New York. About. Oh. Forty minutes outside of Rochester for one of my law school friends. Uh, it was a good time. They, uh, they, I guess, they had like over fifty people cancel on them in the last week due to the due to the surge. So it was a smaller ceremony. There's still I don't know, seventy people there, but we were able to to keep your space. Everyone was fairly distance on the dance floor. You really had your own pack. So you really got you're really banking on your pack of people being okay. So. Two of my people were good. And uh I'm good. I made it back to Rochester. So I'm back from Rochester. I'm back in New York now. Fun wedding. And uh, now I'm watching the next be terrible. That's
1: about yeah. it. Yeah, there hasn't been a, a real shortage of that to to watch. And I'm sure you know we'll we'll get into everyone's favorite segment at the end of what else is on because I think we've been watching some some pretty interesting TV otherwise, but I guess we should go ahead and get into these, these games, I don't know if we want to dive in as far back as yeah. our last podcast probably, I mean, not, but just kind of get into the the yeah. recent stuff.
0: Yeah, that's fair. I think I'll just I'll run through the results at least. So we beat the Pistons. We lost to the Wizards without Beal. We beat the Hawks without Trey Young. Beat the Timberwolves without Carl Anthony Towns, D'Angelo Russell, and Anthony Edwards. We uh, beat the Pistons. Had a, had a big comeback to beat them. We were down double digits late, or in the third. Lost to the Thunder, who were bad. Lost, who lost by, uh, you know, 70-something to the, the Grizzlies earlier this year. Now we're on our way to losing to the Raptors. So yeah, we've had a an easier stretch than we've had in the past. But four and three, you I know mean, if we don't talk, if we don't think about what actually happened on the court, and we just think about the four and three record. That's a positive. So I don't I don't know where to start with the positive because these these last two games, if we had potted last week after the after we beat the Hawks and Timberwolves, we would have more positive things to say despite the, the ugliness of those wins. But now we're we're about to lose the Thunder and Raptors. We're both Thunder are just not good, and the Raptors are. The Raptors just feel like they're missing a the player, but they're not. They're that's just who's on their team, you know. They have a uh, Fred VanVleet and Pascal Siakam as their two best players. Who
1: and, and OG is is right up there too as well. OG,
0: and so they're they're really they're putting they're doing a number to us. Put a
1: number on us. I don't I don't numbers I don't. are happening for sure. Yeah, um, yeah, and it's funny. You say, like, if we had potted last week, the the vibe would have been different. And really, the all the chatter was around how the, the Knicks starters just weren't playable anymore. People were really calling for Julius Randle. Um, you know, I think that people were kind of sick or fed up with his perceived lack of effort, and uh, especially on the defensive end, and then on the offensive end, a lot of the, the ISO post-ups, the, the lack of sharing the ball, and and just the stark contrast whenever the the subs would come in and they would, uh, you know, share the ball and there'd be all that togetherness and continuity. And to your point, in that uh, in that Pistons game, it was that second unit that, that brought the team back for the win. Um, and then Julius Randle went out for health and safety protocols. And so the last two games, you would think these have been like the opportunities for the Knicks to showcase what they can do without Julius Randle, like, do they adopt that, that second unit sharing all-for-one mentality for the entire game when Julius Randle's out? And, you know, if you're looking at what at the product that has been on the court, the answer is pretty much, like, no. I mean, just as far <laughs> as the wins-losses, it's hard to argue, like, no, this is a much better team without Julius Randle. At the same time, there have been kind of other extenuating circumstances that make it a tough Apples to apples comparison. I'm talking about Kemba Walker being a, a late scratch against OKC with um, a left knee issue that's being checked out. I don't think we have like the latest on that. Um, as well as uh, Mitchell Robinson being out for health and safety protocols for this Toronto game. Um, that's definitely an issue with against Toronto, who's just you know all length and arms. Like Mitch would have been pretty useful in that situation. Um, you know we we are running. Kevin Knox out as the backup center in this Toronto game. And it's, I don't know how representative of the actual team that should be, you know, it's just hard to know what to make of these games and like what you can actually learn when there are just so many guys cycling in and out of the rotation because of health and safety stuff. So I don't know. What, what do you think? Like what, what have your impressions been of these um, Julius Randall lists, uh, lineups these last two games
0: yeah i mean i think the big thing is that people people wanted to see julius get it get his break and see what obi topkin could do um with more extended minutes and i mean we we love obi but we i think more than other people realize that he's he's not a feature player i think you you were said he's good for his energy he's running the floor going up and down you know gets people going, but he is, you're not going to give him the ball. He's not going to ISO score like Julius Randall is
1: capable of. And I mean,
0: in that first game against the Thunder, he just didn't really do anything.
1: And in, Greg, uh, just to real quickly play devil's advocate. I think that, you know, the OB stands out there and the kind of anti Randall faction would say, well, we don't need all this ISO ball. Like we, it would be better for the offense in general to be constantly moving the ball and, and have player movement as well. Like people look to the golden state warriors as the example of that, of constant cutting ball movement, player motion. And it's like, yes, OB can't fill that role that Randall performs, but maybe we don't want someone to perform that role. Maybe that role isn't beneficial for an offense in general. And, and, you know, I'm curious to hear what you think of that, but, but personally, I think just that yes ideally in like in an ideal world that is true but the reality of the NBA is you need guys who can go and get you a bucket flat out.
0: Yeah, that's that's what I was I would agree with that. I mean, I, Randall has been just ball stopping black hole for a lot of this this season reverting back to his his 2019 self um, though I mean it hasn't been as bad as 2019 but, you know, he does kill the offense all the time. And, you know, the the bench does make it make it move better. But like you said, it's it's Randall doesn't always do that. And he's capable of, you know, getting guys open, getting them open three pointers like Fournier, and you're not gonna get that from from Obi, because I mean, the threat isn't even there. Like if if Randall isn't going ISO, nice, there's you know, it's in the back of the defender's head that he could if he wanted to, but with Obi, it's just like, this guy can take two dribbles, and if he tries to do any more than that, he's going to turn the ball over. Which, I mean, in the last Randall game that he played, I think uh, Obi had one of those issues where he tried to dribble, and he just traveled in in the corner, and then Tibbs just took him out immediately. And, you know, that's just the thing that happens with Obi, I mean, I don't, I don't have any issues with it. He just isn't meant to dribble the basketball. And a lot of the people say maybe Randall shouldn't dribble either, but he can. If
1: no, he's Greg, it's a, of it. it's a great point. Like Randall is the guy who creates the advantages against defenses. He's the one who draws double teams. And when he's facilitating, when he's kicking it out and finding open guys, that's when Randall's at his best. To your point, Obi's not going to be the one creating those advantages. Like, he will rely on others to create advantages, and then Obi can keep that going. Like, he he's capable of making the right pass, the right play, once the defense is scrambling. I'm impressed with Obi's vision in that regard, but he's not going to be the guy who initially creates that advantage. To, to the contrary, like, Randall's over here drawing double teams. Obi, in this game against Toronto, has been straight up not guarded. Like, the defense has completely disregarded him as a threat on the perimeter. And so he's taken some threes. He made one. Um, I'm, I'm looking at the box score right now. It looks like he's one of four from three, but that's not even telling of just how often he was wide open, how many threes he didn't shoot and how many times he kind of clogged up the offense because the the defense had no reason to respect him out there. So that's um, that's a huge difference in kind of how the opposing defenses are treating these two different power forwards. And, you know, we all agree, the game is, aesthetically, it looks better when Obi's running with that second unit. They're getting out in transition. They're swinging the ball. Um, But the reason that those second units are able to swing the ball so well is because of the guys creating advantages like Alec Burks and Emmanuel Quickly who do that in the pick and roll and are able to break guys down off the dribble. Obi's not doing that. So it's just, they are such different players and that's why it's kind of fascinating to see this team without Randall, but so far the, the early returns are not great.
0: Yeah. I mean, and, and it was like you said earlier, it's not, it's not all Randall missing. Uh, you mentioned Campbell Walker's out, Derek Rose is out for the long haul for you know a couple months. And those are really, those are the the best options to create an advantage to, for the Knicks. Those are the guys who are going to get other guys open. Um, you know, that leaves, we talked about this before the pod. That leaves Alec Burks as your your number one A option um, in this this Raptors game. Which you know Alec Burks a lot of the time. He, he's led the Knicks. He led the Knicks to victory against the Pistons earlier this week. But you don't want him to be your number one best player every single night. You don't want to have to rely on him as that.
1: Well, and, and Greg, you know, I'd say our best player and the highest most used player against OKC was definitely RJ Barrett. We should mm. you know call out the fact that he finished that game with 26 points. He was 10 of 20 from the field and that's including one of 8 from 3. So he was 9 of 12 from two point range, which is just incredible for him. Like he he really has struggled uh from both three and from two this year so far. So it was it was a really impressive game from him. Um, inside the arc, he was still just five and nine from the free throw line. And like I mentioned, one of eight from three. So that shot is still, it's still kind of a shell of what it was last year, unfortunately. So we're still looking for that to turn around, but there's no question that like RJ was so noticeably more uh, aggressive and active and, and just like featured in the offense without Randall. Um, And so I actually, I found some stats. He I'm going to compare the, uh, the game against OKC to his season average prior to OKC. Against Oklahoma City, he, he touched the ball 60 times. He normally touches it 41 times. He drove the ball 19 times against OKC. He usually drives it fewer than eight. Like, I mean, that's, those are some kind of pretty crazy numbers. And I was curious to see if that was going to carry over into this Toronto game to see if we were going to continue to see this aggressive R.J. Barrett um, and I 'd say he was for the most part, but it just it didn't lead to winning basketball, right So RJ finished this game in Toronto with nineteen points, six of fourteen from the field, two of five from three, and then five of seven from free throw. so like it's a, it's a decent offensive game from him, but it just it, it wasn't enough to like keep the team. In it, uh, Barrett ended up with the worst plus minus on the team. So when he was on the floor, it's not like great things were happening.
0: Yeah, I mean, in this box score against the the Raptors, looks looks better than it really was. I mean, ended up losing by fifteen only, but the the Raptors essentially just gave up in the fourth quarter. The Knicks outscored them by seven, uh, 22 point lead after three, and that's with uh, the Knicks got two free. Free throws at the very end, so it was almost 24 point lead after three. I mean, Obi played 45 minutes, got 19 points. That's a positive, but I mean, is it a positive when you're losing by 15 in a game you really never had a shot after the the first quarter? But again, there's just there's just no good players on this. This team right now. I mean, there, there's, good, so there's, by yeah, there, there's good players, but there's no go-to guys. I mean, if you're – R.J. Baird has been so inconsistent this year, so it's tough to just be like, okay, now you're the – you're the alpha. run And finally carry the entire team when you haven't been able to, to be consistent yourself or having Evan Fournier step up when he's just been – so inconsistent I mean, let's talk gets, about
1: it man let's talk about evan fournier because like fournier
0: looked, he looked he looks fine today other than his defensive inefficiency inefficiency
1: i'm i just get a kick out of again just looking at the box score it, and it goes in keeping with the eye test that he just did nothing other hmm. than shoot the ball we're looking at zero <laughs> zero rebounds zero assists zero steals zero blocks and a turnover like the like, dude, he's just out there running and taking shots. Like this is shooting practice at this point. He's, we, um, it has been very frustrating. Like he, he is not a well-rounded basketball player. Like he's, he's not a complete player, right? And that's what you know. Wally on the broadcast was saying was Burke's strength was he has no weaknesses. But with Fournier, it's like, it's almost all weaknesses. Like the, the other than his. Yeah. His shooting, like his offensive game, is pretty strong as far as, yes, he, he shoots the ball fairly well. Um, and when he's on, it is, it is it always feels very necessary. And sometimes he's feeling aggressive to drive. But even when he drives, he's not like a strong guy. It's, it's the opposite of R.J. Barrett, where Barrett, Barrett's trying to, like, barrel through people and, and go through contact. Fournier is avoiding contact at all costs. And it always just feels like a very weak drive. And sometimes he'll hit a floater. And, um, but. Overall, it's just the impact that Fournier has when he's out there. You don't feel him when he's out there. You will forget he's on the court more often than not.
0: Yeah, unless he's unless he's doing bad things, then you'll you're more likely to notice him out there doing the wrong thing than than doing the right thing. And uh, I know you you've said you've been watching um, over the holidays. You were watching a Knicks game with your dad, and you know Fournier just stuck out like sore, sore thumb, just like, this guy, what is, what is this guy doing?
1: My, my and, that, father, and that happens. He, he had nothing kind to say about Evan Fournier's game. And, you know, it's not like my dad watches a ton of Knicks basketball. He's not coming in with a bunch of baggage and, you know, preconceived notions or even any knowledge of their um, salaries or their contracts or anything, right? He's just watching the game. And, um, yeah, he was pretty disgusted by the effort that Fournier put out there on on both ends of the floor and he said he just it looks like this is what my dad said it looks like fournier just doesn't want to get dirty like he just wants (laughs) to stay above the fray (laughs) and like not get hurt and not like doesn't want to like break a sweat so that and that is pretty pretty right on um pretty spot-on analysis from from bill (laughs)
0: oh that's good stuff i mean but fournier is now the second best player with with Randall now in protocols and Kemba not playing Derek Rose out. If anything good is gonna happen during this I mean hopefully very short stint for, for Randall being out, we'll we'll need him to step up. And even this entire longer stint with, with Kemba and potentially Kemba potentially out for who knows how long. Maybe maybe he'll be back next game. Maybe he'll be back in two months, like Derek Rose, where it was like, you know, Derek Rose questionable for tonight. And then the next day you hear you had ankle surgery, he's yes. out for two months. <laughs> like, yeah, so, why, was he, why was he questionable yesterday?
1: <laughs> so, Greg, I, I feel like we've talked about some of these individual players and, and how they're doing. Um, the one guy I really think we should talk about is Emmanuel Quickly, who I – and I don't even know necessarily what I want to say about him, but, you know, this is the – we're talking about the, the featured players without Randall and who has the ball in their hands – and quickly is a guy that a lot of Knicks fans point to and say, this is a guy who needs more reps. Like he needs the ball in his hands more. He's efficient when he gets, he's able to run, pick and roll. Um, And so I don't know. I haven't really seen anything from these last two games that would leave me feeling great about it. Like granted in that OKC game, the Knicks shot under 20% from three on 41 attempts. They were eight of 41 from three. So it, you know, it's hard to look at assist numbers and be like that was indicative of how that player passed the ball or, like, facilitated offense. But, you know, quickly against OKC, shot four of 12 from the field, one of seven from three. Those were mostly, like, um, kind of pull-up shots, step-backs. And then today against Toronto, quickly shot one of four from three, three of eight in total. So he's been struggling with his shot. He had four assists to four turnovers, just a one-to-one ratio there in this game. And he hasn't looked all that assertive and all that comfortable running the show uh, since Randall's been out.
0: Yeah, I feel like I'm going to continue to sound like a, a broken record, but he's not, a, he's not the, the alpha guy. I mean, with the, that second unit was much better last year and this year when Derrick Rose was running the point. And, you know, quickly was, and was being that second guy. Yeah, and then also Burks, front of the point and quickly being the, that second guy who can, uh, you know, handle the ball if, if he needs to. He doesn't have to play the point guard, uh, playmaker every single play. And, you know, that lets him get, get open shots. But I don't know. It's, uh, it remains to be seen when, what happens with who's going to be the starting point guard right now. Um, maybe they they throw him in there to try to get him out there with some better better talent while well, Kemba and Rose are out. I, I, I don't know. It, I, I mean, I feel like we've tried him at point guard, like we haven't 100% thrown him out at point guard for an extended period of time, like for like a month. yet. Yeah, which, you know, maybe you need the trial by fire to really figure it out, but... Well, so maybe he's, we like his shooting more than we like his playmaking. So I don't know.
1: Yeah. And the trial by fire thing works better when you're, when you don't have these playoff aspirations, which, you know, these, they may be slipping away a, a little bit. I mean, I would say that the best case scenario is probably a seven seed at this point. I know it's early to be talking like that, but given the talent, given the production that we've seen, just the, the execution, the, the struggles in general the Knicks have had, it is hard to imagine them you know, having a better season overall than, say, Philadelphia, than Cleveland, certainly. Um, I mean, Charlotte has been good. They're on a three-game winning streak. Like, it's, it's just becoming hard to imagine kind of where the Knicks fit into the playoff picture if it's not a playing game. Yeah, i I don't. We're not there yet. We're not there yet. It's just yeah. like, but but to your point, um, you know, if those, if the odds start to tilt in the other direction, where it's like, oh, the postseason is no longer realistic, then maybe that's when you go to the the manual quickly, trial by fire, like run the show. Um, but hey, I mean, it's, it's a tough spot to be in. There's so many guys in and out of the lineup. Like we said, Deuce McBride has started the last two games. He got the really quick hook. In this one against Toronto, after five minutes, he didn't see the floor again until the fourth quarter. Um, it's not like he was lighting it up; like he wasn't shooting the ball all that great. He ended up finishing the game one of six from the field and zero of four from three. But he did have three assists to one turnover, and um, you know plays his good defense. Like he, he's especially against like uh, Shea Gilgis Alexander in that OKC game. I was really impressed with the way McBride just kind of mirrors off his his opponents and moves his feet and uses his body to. I mean, he's a strong, well-built guy. I just, I really like his perimeter defense. So I was a little surprised to see him getting benched for much of this game against Toronto when it's not like anyone else is really doing a great job. So um, to your point, I'm not sure what the starting point guard position is going to look like when everyone's healthy, you know, when, or what the starting what the point guard rotation is even going to look like once Kemba's back, once, De- even once Derek Rose is back, but certainly with, uh, with Burke's, and quickly and McBride all healthy as well
0: yeah and it looked like uh at the end of this game James was just really just trying to figure out a lineup that might work you know he's he still had down by 20 with five minutes left had Alec Burks just McBride like Kevin Knox he'll be he'll be talking and Quentin Grimes out there just really just trying to try to get something going even though you weren't going to win this one maybe you'll find a lineup that works next game. And, I mean, they, they outscored the Raptors' end of the bench by, by seven in the fourth quarter. So maybe that's a positive. If, if they are, don't pay attention to who they're playing against. But, I don't know. It's just so difficult to analyze this team with Julius Randle not being there. There's just no – and Kemba Walker and Derrick Rose. I mean, there's just – this just isn't a good team. <laughs> that's, no. <laughs> that's, that's what we said. You asked me if I had to say why were we losing to the Raptors. My answers were Fred Van was going off. He was 11 for 17, 7 for 13 from 3, ended with 35 points. And number two, there's just not good players on this Knicks team that were going to carry the Knicks to victory. That, uh, it's hard to isn't... hear.
1: Like, I think it's really hard for a lot of Knicks fans to hear because there's so much hope and optimism around guys like Quickly and Toppin specifically. Um, you, know, it just seems, you go on Knicks Twitter and you see so many calls for the young guys, not just for development purposes, but because people seem to genuinely believe that playing Grimes and McBride and Toppin and Quickly, big minutes, that's the best path to winning. And I, I think that sometimes with our Knicks fans' goggles on, we lose, uh, lose sight of, of these players' limitations. And, you know, Quentin Grimes and Obi Toppin are not creating for you. You know what I mean? Like, they're not comfortable putting the ball on the floor and beating their man and, you know, drawing help and, and starting offensive sequences that way. So, you know, not to say that they can't add value in other ways, but you need guys – to be the guy. And, yeah, and without Kemba, without Rose, without Randall, it is, it's difficult. It's really tough sledding. I
0: think a, a really good example to, to, to show what we're saying is how, you know, whenever someone goes to, to LeBron's team, like, you know, the Knicks traded Jr. Smith and Shumpert to, to to the Cavs back in the day and, you know, the, the Cavs won the championship and it's like, oh, wow, these guys are better when they play with LeBron. And it's like, yeah, because, I mean, he, they have LeBron on their team. They, they don't have to do as much. You know, they're good. That's a good fifth option. If you just have to stand in the corner and shoot threes and play defense, that's that's an easier job than having to initiate the offense and be the guy that goes ISO and get a bucket to get the team going. Yeah. So like, look. You, you maybe, need the number one option.
1: Like, Ob Toppin – may be better in his role than Julius Randle, Obi Toppin's role being very limited to the energy bench guy who, you know, gets you transition buckets, who hustles, who moves the ball. And, you know, is kind of that, that ball mover, but you know, you, that's the thing star in his role. And it's a very small box that you put Obi Toppin in. Whereas Julius Randle's role is enormous and he struggled this year in that role, but it doesn't make him a worse basketball player than Obi Toppin. So, I, I, you know, it's, it's – you have to be careful when you talk about things like that. Um, I don't know. Is, is there anything else we want to talk about as far as games coming up or, like, what – is there anything you expect to see or that you hope to see in these next couple Julius Randle-less games?
0: Uh, I'm just hoping for at least one victory just to see who the guy is. You want to see more RJ mm-hmm. um, continue to step up. And then when Randall gets back, hopefully you have that one, two punch that we've been looking for this entire season. So
1: get I his confidence going. One one thing for me is that when when we all got the news that Julius Randall was out for health and safety protocols, I think there was a belief that things, some things would look different. And I think one of those was – like, for example, transition defense. People are always, and I'm guilty of this too, of, of clipping plays where Julius Randle's either arguing with a call or, or kind of just trotting back on defense, and it leads to some sort of transition bucket. And the expectation is, oh, Julius Randle's out. He doesn't necessarily, the thought is, he doesn't hustle that much on defense. This defense is going to look much better without him. And it just really hasn't. I would say that there are plays where the rotations look good, but that's the case when Randall's on the floor too. Um, the mix against Toronto gave up 20 fast break points. That's a lot. Like they did turn over the ball a great deal and that led to, to many of those too, but like, it's not like the transition defense was just cleaned up because Julius Randall uh, is out of the rotation right now. Um, so that was that was a little bit eye opening, I think, because there are some expectations that when Randall's out, things are going to look different, things are going to change, and they haven't that much.
0: Yeah, yeah, not for that. It's just uh, I have no one else with this team. I don't even I never know who's going to be starting. Never know who's going to be coming off the bench. There's just it's just no. Don't know what to expect. You know, you get a new guy and and. Health and safety protocols every every day. It seems like uh, at this point, almost the entire team has, has had it. Um, so maybe maybe they'll sense they've all had it. Maybe we could finally start getting some consistency. I don't
1: some herd immunity or something. I don't know. I don't even know what that is. So Mitch, <laughs> Mitch had some games in there where he looked really dominant, and then he went up against OKC with their stretch fives like Bucknell's own Mike Muscala and. Some of the other dudes who I don't, even, I don't even know half these guys on the Thunder, to be honest. Pokushevsky is one of them. Um, and they just hit a bunch of threes. Like Mitch really struggles against those stretch fives. That's no secret at this point. Um, a lot of Knicks fans are calling for just straight switching. You know, stop asking Mitch to like hedge out on screens and then sprint back to his, the, the popping big man. And it seems like on I'll go back to Nick's Twitter that there's a lot of criticism of Tibbs. Do you have any problems with Tom Thibodeau at this point as the coach with his decision making, or do you think it's it, it's just strictly uh, an issue with the players?
0: I think uh, there's definitely I definitely have some issues with his his uh, substitutions. I think he's very very committed to to. Getting guys in and out at a certain time. I don't remember what game it was, but when I think RJ wow. Barrett got two two fouls early, and Grimes was just going off, and Obi Toppin was going off, and the second second unit was just leading the the Knicks, and they got them up 17 um, in the second quarter, and then you know six and a half minute mark came in the second quarter, and the Knicks were on in the middle of like a big run. And he said, "Okay, Fournier and Randall, you guys are sure time to go in for, for those two. I mean, Fournier and Randall had been good in the first quarter of that game, but Grimes and uh, Obi were just going off at that exact moment in time. And you know, you you had mentioned this. You know, seventeen point lead, six thirty three mark. I'm marking that down. That's when uh, Randall came in, and then pretty much everything just wasn't good. I think the the other team cut it to to single digits by halftime i think maybe even yeah i wouldn't say less than single digits but maybe low single digits so i think he's he's too committed to that that structure of you know this guy comes out obi Toppin, at the very earliest is going to go in with one minute left in the first quarter he's going to play the first six minutes of the the, the second quarter he's going to play the first uh four minutes of the fourth quarter. And then that's, those are his minutes.
1: Yeah, man. I mean, Tibbs is not above (laughs) criticism by any means. Um, At the same time, like I keep going back to that OKC game, just because it was such a blowout and it looked so ugly, but like the Knicks were getting decent looks on offense. And like I mentioned, they shot eight of 41 from three. So that's not Tibbs fault. And then you go to the free throw line, the Knicks shot 12 of 22 for 54.5% from the free throw line for a game. Like that is, you're not going to win ball games that way. Like you can't, there, there's something, I don't, I don't really look to coaching for free throw shooting, but it's like, I don't know, man, that's something, that's something mental going on with that team. Um, so who knows? We'll have to just monitor that going forward, but yeah, just, keeping an eye out on, on Tibbs rotations. I, I'm with you.
0: Yeah. I've had enough Nick stop to be honest me too, with
1: me too. I, I ran out of steam there. Let's get out of here. Let's go talk about everyone's favorite sub
0: podcast. What else is on me and you have been, we've been watching the same thing. I've uh, been watching. We talked about it on our last podcast, what we were going to check out station 11 on, on HBO max is a, it's an interesting one. Um, I'm one of the guys who always watches these shows and just has no idea what's going on and talks <laughs> to Kenny about it. And he's like, I think this is my theory. I'm like, Oh, I never would have thought of that. But this, this shows it's interesting. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll leave it at that.
1: <laughs> you know, Kenny's always got theories and they're almost always right. It is very strange, but um, yeah, I I've really enjoyed station 11 um it for those who haven't watched it it's about it's actually about kind of like a post pandemic world it's you know at times it hits a little too close to home but um you know they actually the show is based on a book that that came out long before covid and they actually started making the show long before covid as well so it's just kind of an, an eerie coincidence in that regard but i mean the show is uh It's just really well done to your point it is a little confusing and to that i'll say like the the creator of it from what i understand is like a disciple or used to work with the guy who created lost damon lindelof so there's some kind of like lost sort of confusing elements i remember watching lost being like what the hell is going on right now like that this is this is crazy um so i don't know that there will be like necessarily like time travel going on in (laughs) in (laughs) station 11. I think it's a little bit more grounded than lost was less, less magic there, but it is a
0: lost. There's a lost spoiler.
1: Yeah. In case, in case you're 15 years late on lost. (laughs) Um, Another show that I love by the way. So good job. um, But no, station 11 has been, has been really fun. I think it's really well made. The the acting, the performances are great and uh, it's just kind of a, a cool and it's intense. It's pretty gripping, but it's also, there are moments of some levity too. Um, There was that scene in the last episode where the guy starts busting out a tribe called quest just Yeah.
0: That was a good one.
1: That was awesome. It was like a cool. And it was kind of in keeping with the show's theme of just like people performing or like making art or just like trying to lose themselves in something, uh, amid some total catastrophe. You know, that's kind of what the show's all about. So I, I definitely appreciate it.
0: Yeah, and um, I will say that the episodes themselves, while they're, they're confusing, they're very good standalone episodes. Um, you know, like a lot of the time, one episode will just have absolutely nothing to do with the prior episode, which, you know, can be a little frustrating when you're trying to figure out what was happening. But then it's it's all gonna tie together in the end, I assume. You hope it's all (laughs) I hope, of course. But I mean I think there was there's been at least three different storylines where I think the first, second, and fourth episodes were just all completely different from each other. Um and the second episode was like a twenty year time jump from the first episode. So the first four episodes were just all all different TV shows, which you know, you put them all together in the end. Hopefully, it's all good. The yeah, air, the, it's a
1: it's a show that you got to be like locked in on. You know, you can't be second screening, like scrolling through Instagram <laughs> while you watch it, or else you'll yeah, be I, even more lost than us.
0: Yeah, and this will be a good one to watch when all of the episodes are out. This will be a good one to to be able to binge watch all in a in a week and not need to. to hopefully, be able to hope be able to to tie the loose ends together quickly rather than having them dwell on your mind right when they're like still me. fresh um,
1: yeah. yeah other than station 11 i've i've been kind of watching a lot um, i saw the the netflix leonardo dicaprio jennifer lawrence movie don't look up um, uh, created by adam mckay that was it was good you know critics are kind of split on it i i enjoyed it I mean it's a satire. I thought it was pretty funny and dark and amusing. So I, I enjoyed Don't Look Up. Did you see that?
0: I did not. I saw it getting roasted on online.
1: Yeah, I d I didn't really get the critical <laughs> response to it. Um I, I think people say it's like a satire of global warming and they it's I think some people think it's really on the nose. Like it it's a little preachy, but I don't know, man. It was it's a fun movie. Like, I I I just say I also watched the first like almost half of uh Wes Anderson's French dispatch. And I I'm a like typically a Wes Anderson fan. I liked Rushmore a lot. I love the Royal Tenenbaums, Grand Budapest hotel. Like these are movies I really liked um, even as animated ones. I like fantastic Mr. Fox. And then I get to the French dispatch, which is like a, it's a movie that's a bunch of different vignettes unrelated to each other. That is like in the style of a New Yorker magazine. So each vignette is like a magazine story, I guess. The move, Rose asked me, my wife asked me to shut it off like 30 minutes in. And I was like, let's just watch a little bit more. And then I had to tap out too. Like I couldn't do it. So just, you know, just the fact that I was able to finish Don't Look Up was a plus in my book.
0: Yeah. So. By comparison, it was good. So maybe uh, if you watched that before The French Dispatch, you would have been like, oh, I get I get the critical response. So it sounded like Wes Anderson was going for uh, a robot chicken sort of uh, episode layout.
1: Yeah, I think it kind of was going the robot chicken route. Um, but no, I was seeing like some year-end lists with The French Dispatch as the best movie of the year. I saw AV Club did that, uh, The New Yorker did that. And I was like, this movie, I, cu- I couldn't even finish it. Yeah. Um, and then I'll give one more recommendation because last night I watched the movie CODA on Apple TV+. Plus. Um, that's an acronym for Child of Deaf Adults. And it's about a, a child who both of her parents and her brother are deaf and um, her kind of navigating that. And it was a great movie. Highly recommend it. So um, I don't know if that's going to be in like any awards conversations at the end of the year. But either way, I don't care. It was a good movie. So Coda good. Don't look up good. French Dispatch bad. Um, Station Eleven good. That's on. That's my take. Yeah.
0: That's good. Those are good takes. And I, I uh, last night I watched Lethal Weapon for the first time. It's a pretty good film. I've never seen it. Have you seen it?
1: I have not. I, that's a classic. Yeah. That's a blind spot yeah. for me. So.
0: Yeah, I was. I was just scrolling. Like, this is a good movie that people talk about. I guess we'll I'll I'll, I'll check it out.
1: And it's pretty. It's
0: definitely good entertainment. So. Could see why uh, there there's a whole franchise of them now. And I also uh, think I'm going to watch uh, Pirates of the Caribbean tonight.
1: Well, and the I saw one. on Instagram you just put out your top ten non-comedy movies of all time, and you had a Pirates of the Caribbean on that list.
0: Yeah, that was the, the first one. I, I threw it in there. Uh, I like to put out lists on the gram every now and then. And so, you know. I can read you my list. City of God was number one. Saving Private Ryan. The Dark Knight. Remember the Titans. Pirates of the Caribbean. Curse of the Black Pearl. Slumdog Millionaire. A Bronx Tale. Forrest Gump. Ocean's Eleven. Gladiator. That was that was my list. That was, I struggled to find that tenth. I was thinking maybe Friday Night Lights, but I, I went with Gladiator. But have you ever seen City of God?
1: I have seen City of God. You went with a subtitle movie as number one. I it's, mean, the greatest, that- it's the best movie I've ever seen. It was epic. It really was. I mean, yeah, that's an incredible movie. I, I don't blame you. I I think that's that's right up there. As, I mean, it's not one that I'll like rewatch, though. You know what I mean? Like, do you do you yeah. throw it, do you throw on City of God and just like vibe to it?
0: No, no, no. I've only seen it once, but it was like uh, when the movie ended. It was like, whoa, that was the best movie I've ever seen. <laughs>
1: No, it's true. Like it it is that good, but it's not one that I want to return to. It's not like a world you want to go hang out in.
0: Yeah. It's not, it's not going to be a yearly thing. I'll definitely watch it again. Eventually.
1: Yeah, I'm with it. It's a good list. Um, Cool, man. We'll follow Greg on Instagram for lists like that. Follow me on Twitter at Tom underscore Piccolo. I put out a couple videos for Talking Knicks this week. Um, so I want to promote those. And, uh, you know, follow Talking Knicks on Twitter and Instagram as well. We got content out there. Anything else, Greg? Well,
0: that sounds good to me. Let's uh, let's have a good week in the Knicks world. We're playing the Pacers and Celtics a couple times. So let's, let's bounce back. Hey, go Knicks. Knicks tape.